the critical yoga studies podcast thank you for having me it's a lot it's really cool yeah i you know sometimes social media is good you know Mm -hmm. for things oh yeah following you seeing what you post and catching your vibe has been a joy so i'm really happy Mm -hmm. to have a face-to-face combo oh thank you so much i i say the same you know about you and your family i mean it's just always so wonderful to watch you especially when you go to india and all that like it's so it's so beautiful thank you can you say mm-hmm. your full name for me uh it's Bree simran darby Bree simran darby mm-hmm. yeah okay. <laughs> all right simran i see you <laughs> <laughs> yo i can actually that movie came around the time that i was born so that's why they made that my middle name just slammed it right in there which movie for for any oh oh uh what's it called again the yeah right it's actually one of my favorites yes that's a classic duo right there the iconic duo Mm -hmm. i know i love them i um i have a couple like a few ideas on my mind to talk about and You know, the point of the Critical Yoga Studies podcast is really to center Black and Brown conversations and use yoga as a jump off point to like explore how we could be better to each other, Mm -hmm. you know, be more loving in like the bell hook sense of the word of love as this very expansive and layered um, thing and also forgive, you know, recognize, notice, all that stuff. Yeah. And I guess it all kind of falls under the rubric of healing, you know, healing our relationship with one another mm-hmm. and with ourselves. Um, right. Of course. And so um, I started following you and your your handle on Instagram is um, Blindy and Girl. Mm-hmm. Blindy and Girl. And are you on any other social media platforms where that's also your... Oh, well, I'm occasionally on Twitter, but that's just to, like, rant. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, Mm -hmm. um, if I'm just feeling upset, then I tweet. But I I literally only have 30 followers, but that's all all good. (laughs) But, yeah, no, other than that, Instagram is just mainly, like, my other main source of communication besides texting. Like, I just, I'm obsessed with it. Although right now I'm taking a little bit of a break because it can be overwhelming sometimes dealing with that in school. So yeah, right now I'm just like on a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. You mean a break from just like any of the connection through the phone or just texting or just social media? Uh, Well, I think, yeah, just like everything about my phone in general. Like I haven't been really, I mean, I did text people saying that I just didn't really, I wanted a little break for a little while, but um. Yeah, I mean, I've been checking occasionally, but 
it's it's always good to, to just like have that cleanse because honestly things have been like very overwhelming especially with like school and all that but you know I'm definitely trying to get back into it where are you at with your school process what can you tell me a bit about yourself that way like so you're in New York right now are you in mm-hmm. New York City yeah New uh, Brooklyn actually okay lovely mm-hmm. Brooklyn yes <laughs> I lived there for almost a decade, and I started oh, cool. going to New York City like in the mid nineties. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. It must have been way better back then because it's less gentrified, of course. But yeah, you know, everybody has their own story, you know. But I, I'm really glad that I started going back then. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with going back to India. You know, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I started going back in the eighties and nineties to at least have a sense, you know, of. Mm-hmm what types of change have been going on for better and worse. Right, of course. Um, okay, so tell me a bit about yourself. Like, what are you studying? What year are you? Anything like that? So I'm in the senior year. I'm in nursing. And, um, you know, it's actually funny because when I first got in, I kind of liked it. But then slowly I sort of realized that I wasn't, like, this wasn't necessarily for me. Like, um, like right now in the senior year, I'm just kind of a little bit... I don't know. It's just, it's weird because I don't know if this is something that I really want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm already at the home stretch. So I'm just looking, yeah. So I'm just looking into like different other schools in the future. Like now I've kind of been thinking about wanting to just become a therapist instead. So I've been looking into schools for that instead. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just, it was a little scary at first because, you know, it's just everybody's expecting you to do one thing, especially like my family members. They were all saying like, oh, you know, next time I'm sick, I'm going to go to you. And I'm just like, you really shouldn't. But um, <laughs> if you, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's just, it's a thing that's been going on for a while and I don't really want to settle for anything that I don't, that I'm not truly passionate about. So that's just something that I, that's been on my mind lately. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So you're in like a like a undergraduate program whereby you get your RN? Mm-hmm, yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I graduate, I would have to take the NCLEX and then I would uh, like hopefully pass it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have, um, well, it sounds like, first of all, I can really relate to uh, what you're sharing because... Like, I uh, have gone to quite a lot of school, like, more than probably anybody in my family understands or is comfortable with, like, um, and, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien of the Lord of the Rings series, which I'm now definitely into, um, (laughs) you know, there always, there's this one, like, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's always talking about, you know, not all who wander are lost, you know? Right. And I've heard it before, but it feels really affirming to be on the other side of stuff where my goals are starting to come to fruition. I'm starting to see them in tangible form. Um, And all the school that I went to, so like the undergraduate, the law school, the master's in cinema studies, Mm -hmm. then then the PhD in justice studies, all of it starting to be like, right, there's this purpose behind it and I followed my heart, you know? Right. Um... So yeah, so I, I I support you gathering skills and tools. Right. Thank you. I mean, that's that sounds like you got a PhD. Like, damn. Okay. <laughs> right. It sounds it sounds great. Right. I think that the lived experience is always like 
Uh, yeah. I mean, it's always nice to have those letters at the end of your name, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got hella letters. I got, mm-hmm. I got, I got a few letters, but it's always been like I imagine that I'm wearing this tool belt and I'm scattering mm-hmm. all these different tools. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, and I think these days, especially, that's definitely to your advantage. Like, say you did ever want to go to law school. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like you do, but say you did. Right. Having that RN um, experience will set you up to focus what your legal practice might look like or your legal expertise mm-hmm. might look like, you know? Right. Um, in a very, um, I would say, innovative way, like cutting edge way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I see what you mean, of course. I'm trying to look up the ins- your Instagram page, and then the mm-hmm. first thing that comes on is like is more like, you know, hotties, hotties with the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love this. Thank you very much. That just gave me the biggest boost of confidence. <laughs> the main one of the main reasons why. Oh, and then you are. Can you tell me a bit about your cultural, your ethnic background, or your mm-hmm. racial experience? Yeah, yeah, of course. So my dad is African-American and my mom's from Hyderabad. And um, growing up was very interesting. I grew up like really because, okay, my dad's a bit older. So he, I basically listened to both like The Temptations and Bollywood music in the back. I'm not even joking, but like, that's basically what I grew up with. And um, I think growing up, I kind of stick stuck to more of my mom's side the Indian side because um like there was always such a stigma around African Americans and like black culture that I just didn't want to deal with especially when I got to like middle school and high school when I was dealing with more of of the white kids and uh it's just I thought that sticking to one culture would probably be better like one culture with like the less stigma than um the other one which i mean obviously growing up i i grew up out grew out of that thankfully because i don't have that same mindset anymore thank god because i mean now i'm definitely like more proud to be claimed as black than anything but um yeah i mean it was just it was kind of a struggle like trying to identify myself in a society that doesn't really want to accept you and then i eventually kind of came to realize that if you're not white, then you're screwed, basically. Like, they will they will pick on you no matter what. No, yeah, no matter how hard you try. And um, it's something that's that was shown to me, like, when I had, like, a friend back in high school who basically, like, um, she basically referred to me as, well, she basically, like, she said something insanely racist. Um, I forget what it was. I think it was something like comparing. Yeah, I think it was something. Com- no, it was something about um, like undocumented immigrants. And um, she also said something about comparing black people to gorillas. And at one point she said, no, 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 like, it's fine. I have a black friend. And to feel like I'm somebody's excuse as to why that they're not racist just felt like... I just felt like a tool, literally. And so I, that's when I was like, okay, this is bad. <laughs> what did I do to myself? And um, I think it was after the whole Trayvon Martin case when I started to really learn a lot about African-American culture and just 
um, and struggles that we've all been through. Of course, like, you know, in school, like with Black History Month, you all, all you hear about is Martin Luther King. Like, that's literally it. And it's always frustrating because I are I know that there are so many more people who have contributed to this country and um, so many Black Americans who have contributed to this country. And you don't learn about them. All you learn about is Martin Luther King, who was a, a great man, obviously, but um, that's not all you want to hear about. And uh yeah ever my whole childhood was basically very whitewashed but thankfully once i got into college and started learning more about um social justice issues and like um black lives matter and all that like i just i definitely grew out of that mindset and i'm very happy about that because literally i used to say like if i had an opportunity to just go slap myself back in high school i would have i really would have slapped myself slapped high school me like <laughs> <laughs> where did you grow up like where were you at when you were in high school uh like there's like in park slope brooklyn so oh, okay yeah exactly it's i'm just basically actually i went there for both elementary middle and high school like um yeah. i'm not saying that it was completely like, I was completely surrounded by white kids. I think, like, all of them were pretty diverse, actually. But, you know, it was basically, I don't know. I felt like with all three experiences, all the white kids were at the forefront of the schools. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. So I would mainly try to fit in with them. So, That's what's yeah. happening at my little one's school right now. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's an elite school. It's an elite right. school. It's, it's a school that's in high demand. And it's... um certainly constructed to uphold white supremacy mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like that in schools i mean literally the other day i heard that like um, my friend works at a private school and she literally like got a phone call from a parent saying like you know i hope that there aren't like too many like um like black and brown kids there and i'm just like what the hell like you really have that type of mindset and it's yeah it's interesting because like the racism in New York City is very, um, oh Jesus, forget about that. But it's like, it's very hidden. Like, unlike in the South, like my dad's also from the South. And literally as you drive through there, um, you just see nothing but Confederate flags, like tobacco chewing pieces of white trash, just like rocking in their chairs outside. But the thing is, and this is something interesting that my dad says, he's like, you know, at least that they're open about, like, their right. beliefs. Right. And unlike here, where they just pretend to be, like, progressive and woke on the outside, but, you know, they s- call up their kids' schools to see if there are too many, like, you know, too many Black kids in there, so. Right, right. Uh, this reminds me of this bumper sticker that um, one of my colleagues posted. His name is Chirag, Chirag Bhakta. He, mm-hmm. he goes, um, he's an artist and he has this collection of hashtag white people doing yoga and it's all this ephemera <laughs> from mm-hmm. all these different decades of like Americana. So like pamphlets and albums and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then he also goes by hashtag pardon my Hindi. And mm-hmm. um, he's dope. I'll, I'll tag you on something of his so that you guys, you can know. Oh, thank you. He posted this photo of his bumper sticker and it says yoga is for racists. <laughs> Something like that. Like it's just straight up, you know? And I love is, that. Yeah. And like, yeah. It really <laughs> it, 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 Yep. You know what I mean? I was like, oh did you make God. that? I was like, I'm, it's so dope that more and more people are starting to understand, you know, how how anything 
and, but in yoga, there's like this hiding you mm-hmm. know, that your right. father was talking about. Actually, that's not advantageous to have people be able to, you know, um, obscure their hate, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, of course. I mean, that's just so funny that you mentioned that. Like, I feel like white people have just, like, taken over yoga, especially, like, here. Like, whenever I used to take, like, yoga classes, like, when I was a kid or something, it was all taught by old white ladies, which I, I was... I was kind of confused by, and they would always have like the like the sitar music in the background, and I'm just like, this is interesting. Okay, like I, I I didn't know what to think about it at the time, but yeah, like it's very whitewashed for some reason, and it's it's quite annoying. It it really is. Yeah, yeah, Park Slope. I, I believe it. <laughs> oh, that must have been a leader, a leader mm-hmm. in the. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So I mean. So- Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I was just I was just saying, like, like, you know, they were all nice people, but it was just, yeah, it was just very weird. Right. There's mm-hmm. something off about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to even put your finger on, on it in the midst of so many different kinds of displacements. You know, even just walking in the door, you're coming through all this just to get there to this yoga mm-hmm. class. Right. You go, it's still unsettling, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, just real quick, may I ask you how, um, would you, um, would you be comfortable sharing your age? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm 22. 22? Okay. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me a bit about how your parents, like, came together, how they met? Okay, they like to tell me different stories, and I don't know which one is the real story, <laughs> but I'm going to stick with the one where um, uh, they met at college. Well, uh, they like, well, my dad was saying like he was just walking to a place, I forget where, and they met, and she was coming home from, I believe, grad school or something, and they met like that and um something also funny that they mentioned was that like um her mom from india was visiting two days later like they exchanged phone numbers and started talking and then she literally asked him like hey can you pick my mom up from the airport and he was just like it's been two days but okay and uh yeah that's something that i just thought was kind of cute and um yeah, but literally they've, they've been telling me different stories, which led me so much to believe at one point that it was like, I don't know, it was like a sugar daddy type of situation because he's older, she's younger. But I mean, I don't know. I would like to, um, I do believe them when they say that like they've just met in college and all that. So What school um, was that? Where was that? Uh, it was like LIU Brooklyn. Like, okay. you know where that yeah, is? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know yeah near Fort Greene. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it was around there. And I can imagine, because I actually go to school, like, really, really close to, like, that area. So I literally just, like, drive by there every day. And I'm just like, wow, that this is the area where it all happened. Damn. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> so was she, she came from Hyderabad on a student visa? Uh, yes. Like yes. She came here to study? Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like some real Indian shit to do where it's just exactly. like Exactly. Well, now now we're family, so <laughs> Right. <laughs> like might as well just stay here. <laughs> yeah. When I've she came been... she was Oh sorry. No, go ahead. She came. Oh well when she came she was like living with like um her sister, my aunt and um her husband. So they yeah, they were just literally like all living together at one point. And uh yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Wow, so you were born and raised in New York City, huh? Mm-hmm, yep. Okay, a rare gem, a rare uh, gem. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, being in Brooklyn, I cannot believe how many people try to claim it's so disrespectful. Oh, that they're from Brooklyn when they've been here for two months? Yep. yep. It's so disrespectful. Like <laughs> It is. It really is. I mean, what I say is that definitely Brooklyn helped raise me. You know, New York mm-hmm. City, Manhattan, Brooklyn. But especially Brooklyn, I definitely grew a lot there. So it's part of me. Yeah, I, would, of course. I could never, I'll never lie and say mm-hmm. that I'm from there. You know, but then, yeah. but then the question of where are you from is also like, pretty whack it's 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 so so whack right it's so whack I mean it's just so funny when people ask me that because I don't know if they're referring to the city or my ethnicity or where my parents are from and I just I don't know I really don't know one time I was just not in a mood when somebody asked me like where are you from I just said here that's it like and I did not I didn't and then they they asked me to elaborate I was just like America like I did I did not feel like answering it it's because it's just I don't know for me it was just so confusing I don't know what to say when people ask me where are you from like I don't know maybe that's just a me problem no I don't think so I think I think it's one of those questions that gets a pass, but it's actually incredibly imprecise. People can mm-hmm. be a lot more clear about what are they really asking. Like, for yeah. example, first of all, where are you from? From? It's just yeah. so, like such a, like a <laughs> expansive word. It, it can mean mm-hmm. so many things. Like, if you want to know, why do I look the way I look? I'll tell you. Yeah. I'm 100% cien Indian from India. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. But then... Like Indians, um, I have this experience, you know, of never being, you know, um, so on one hand, Indians will be like, but then why do you sound like that? Oh, yeah. So, because then it's like, but then you're not really Indian because you don't have to go through the trials and tribulations of being this heavily accented person who can't code as any other thing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Accents are so interesting that way. Like, my parents, they couldn't change their accent for the life of them. The whole, <laughs> it's not going right. to go. It's like, it's like that, yeah. But like me, just say, I go to my Hindi, my accent isn't like terrible. I'm not like, ha, my Hindi. It's not like that. Like, yeah. I, I can have different accents. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um. Maybe I'm going to talk about accent. Oh, no, 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 let's not. It's still kind of rusty right now. And it's like, and then you got white people who, like I was recently on this, um, you know, a, a formal academic interview to where I eventually, um, I was on this academic interview and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was going very well, meeting with faculty, with students, and then this one white man was like, he came out the side of his face, like, well, were you born there? You know, because he, he, he feels a special connection to India because his parents were diplomats, you feel me? So okay. He, so he spent some of his childhood in India, and so, of course, he's like, I'm always getting people posturing towards me, like, well, how Indian are you? How, how much Indian? You know, are you really Indian type How of thing? is that your business? Oh, my God. Right. And, like, you can't even assess that shit. But then... Right. 
it's very particular to America because in this this country has largely been founded on this idea of an Indian like blood quantum and you can quantify mm -hmm. how much you know native you know how much native you are or whatever by right. this blood quantum so problematic but it does extend to us too you know mm -hmm. right of course of course but I mean yeah that's just it's annoying having to deal with these type of people it, it really is right so like one of the things that made me reach out to you um, right now is because I saw that you had um, an incredibly popular post, a series of tweets um, mm -hmm. about, you know, basically a calling out, calling in, whatever yeah. social justice expression we're going with right now <laughs> um, for Daisy's to not um, to sort of check to check the anti-black racism and prejudice mm -hmm. that colors our interactions with one another. And um, right. I wonder, cause I gave my little one my phone to keep him occupied. So I don't have the, you know, I don't have the tweet. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. If you could share with me something about, sure. it's been shared a lot and it was, you know, well over a thousand people, close to 2000 people, you know, engaging mm -hmm. with this. And I'm right. sure, more than I know so I would love to hear some you know some background and just like where you were coming from or anything you want to share about that um about that push that you made as an influencer so okay like it was always just like little things coming from like either my family or people like from like outside my family, like my mom's friends or something like that, that kind of all led to all of this. And um, I don't know, it was just like built up frustration over like a period of like, uh, over the period of years, honestly, like I would get like little comments from like, um, there's one slide where I mentioned like my uncle, he was saying like, oh, she's never gonna learn Hindi, she's just gonna listen to rap music instead. And um, yeah, and then I eventually lear learned Hindi. It's not that good, but I eventually learned it. And uh, he, whenever I speak it, he's always very surprised. And um, there's also, like, a couple of other people who, um, they would just, people get on my nerves. That's just the simple way to put it. People get on my nerves. And um, I feel like, especially, like, the, the younger generation of um, Desi Americans, like, I feel like they are becoming more self-aware and they are, like, kind of acknowledging, like, their parents' behavior or their grandparents' behavior towards Black people. And it's, like, they they understand that what they, what like, their views are just not okay, but they don't want to do much to, like, call them out on it. And um, it's quite annoying especially like and there are also like some young Daisy Americans who just simply are racist themselves and it's annoying because like sometimes like I would get like trolls with like zero followers just like commenting on my page talking about like well you don't look Indian so like why do you put on this persona or, or like this facade or whatever and you know obviously they just they get an automatic block but like it's just it kind of sticks with me for a while like like you know and it even has me wondering, like, wow, should I really, like, I don't, 
like when you see me, you wouldn't really think like, oh, she's half Indian. Like it's more like a, I tell you and they're like, oh, now I see it. Like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just like, it even had me questioning like, well, should I really claim it as, which is nonsense. I mean, you should claim whatever ethnicity that you actually are. Like you shouldn't have to question that. And then, you know, there are like the um, girls and guys who are also fetishizing um black people and also saying like oh you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna marry a black person when i grow up and like you know what like it'll totally piss my parents off it's gonna be so funny and it's just like these are people's lives that you're dealing with these are people's like culture that you're dealing with and you just want to like and you want to use them for like jokes or whatever it's it's ridiculous and um let's see what else there is like there are several things that piss me off about um, our community. It's just, I mean, the constant, like, dumb jokes that Desis make about, like, comparing Black people to gorillas. And then, of course, um, like, very recently I learned, like, a lot about Blackface in Bollywood. And I would see, like, some of the movies that were made, like, in, like, the 60s or the 70s or the 80s where literally they would have people in full-on Blackface and, like, just had them acting like complete animals and it was just it was the most disturbing thing I've ever seen in my entire life and um it always just has me thinking like wow in a country full of melanin y'all are this racist that's it 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 blows my mind really and um does does it blow your mind like when you think about India's own history mm -hmm. and what and what creates that kind of like Mm self-hate yeah yeah like do you see any um, any story there, like a storyline where it's like, oh, right, that thing ended up really working. Right. Right. I think maybe, um, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a connection between colonization and, I mean, there probably is like colonization in India and like what led to like the fair skin obsession. There probably is a connection. I'm just not too like educated about it, but I think it probably stems from that. Like, you know, being lighter skinned means that you are, you know, more privileged and more elite and stuff like that. And um, I think that's where a lot of people get their insecurities from, especially like even now, I mean, it's 2020 and y'all are still like putting out fair skin, like fair and lovely ads. Like there's not, I mean, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure there are dark skin actresses in Bollywood. I just don't know their names, but um, they're quite a, there are very few of them. And it's just, people are not getting the representation that they deserve like dark-skinned people in general and um actually recently i saw like a movie poster um for like uh, a nigerian girl and like an indian guy falling in love i think it's gonna be like uh it's gonna be a movie but it's gonna come out in april so i'm low-key looking forward to that but i'm also very skeptical about it because i'm just like if they do some racist shit i am going to start a riot um but (laughs) i mean there's always just that part in the back of my mind like oh my god please don't please don't do anything stupid and i don't know if that's ever gonna go away like yeah but i i'd like to think that they're gonna that it's changing as time goes on, I'd like to think that it's changing a little bit. And uh, I just hope that it, it eventually does change because, like, people like me, people like other 
uh, people who are like me all over the world like we're just very we're, we're sick of it we really are like i've talked to people who are like have the same ethnicity as ethnicities as me and they would always talk about like how their families would not accept them at least like for the first couple of years of their life until like later on when they were like you know on their deathbeds and stuff like that and it's just over a simple thing as being like another race another race that you don't particularly like you know want to accept because of the color of their skin it's it's annoying it really is and it's always heartbreaking to like see those like see those people like always tell me that like they've been shunned by their families just because their dad or their mom decided to marry outside their race and it's like why what what's the big deal about it mm-hmm. You know, um, everything you share, it raises so many like questions for me and it reminds me so much as well of so many things that I've either experienced or learned. And I wonder, um, you know, I wonder at what happens with that kind of suffering. Cause like, it's one thing to like feel the rage and then there's another to feel the immense loss and then you know, because we're talking about the loss of trusted family connections and mm-hmm. things like that. That is like, that's not a small thing. Right. That's, that's a lifelong <clears throat> loss. Right. And it will always be. And um, so just honoring what you shared. I want to, I want to share some of like what I've learned or what I've experienced, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Just to share, just to mm-hmm. um, share some of my own stories. So these are things that, you know, may or may not be relevant or may or may not be illuminating for your own. Mm-hmm. So like my parents had a intercaste love marriage in India. And um, because, you know, so my mom was fairer and Brahmin and my father is darker skinned and Rajput. Um which is a lower caste uh, mm-hmm. to, to Brahmin. And um, they met at college, the University of Udayapur. And mm-hmm. um, when they got married, none of their family came for various reasons, but that was a big one. Was right. Why, you know, they were shunned. Mm-hmm. And then um, they had my brother and some family started to come back around. And then when they immigrated to the States, you know, the whole thing changed, their story changed. Right. And going back to India my whole life growing up especially on my mother's side um the Brahmin side mm-hmm. I was painfully aware that I was different um that um I was assumed to not be able to like understand things or get things because I was the first one in the family in both lineages to be born in this country mm-hmm. so I was like well she's American you know she she doesn't care about family whereas yeah. like <laughs> what right like I know how does that make sense and it's like such a deep diss mm-hmm. you know when someone is on a path to to like being loving and healing like I really don't know that many people who are actively loving of their family the way that I am mm-hmm. you know and to this day I, and this is this is painful but it's true there's these Indian aunties around like right now my parents live in a suburb outside of Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and there's like mm-hmm. there's some Indian community but because right. they're not wealthy, their circle is small. Okay. Do you know what I mean? There's like a lot. Right. There's a lot here that's not 
their main experience around hierarchy in the Indian community here is not tied to caste. Their primary experience here is tied to class. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, okay, I see. Like temple politics, like whoever's rich gets, you know, they got the, they do the things. They get the, right. pay, they get the. And so there's a lot of isolated, I would say working class um, daisies in this country. Um, but anyway, you know, there's these Indian aunties around and God bless them. Mm-hmm. God bless them. But they definitely try to tell me about like my mom or will try to tell me about my parents as though I couldn't possibly ever know them. Mm-hmm. And I know even on their deathbeds, you know, got, you know, that's not something I will, but I know that there will be people who will be like, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't get it. They don't, they don't, she doesn't know her mother. The person that I came out from, right. you know what I mean? Uh, that you were raised with, like, that's so weird. <laughs> Right, like there's nobody on earth that knows her as much as me mm-hmm. in some ways. You know right. what I mean? Um, the other thing that I would say is like, I think that I was always interpreted to be a hoe because I was born in America. In America, so yeah. I wouldn't have any values around sex and I wouldn't have any values around my own sexuality that were mm-hmm. good or moral. It would always be immoral and loose. And that was especially painful because for me, that was layered in with experiences of Mm -hmm. um, childhood sexual abuse um, Mm -hmm. within the family. And so it was all these messages that were like, just so devastating. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Fast forward, you know, from what I've learned about, so I do research um, on race and India, racial constructions and colonization and you know, India was a core ground for the construction of race, like a core, a core war um, um, area, st- strategic point of war in terms mm-hmm. of the race war that we're still embroiled in. Right. And so the, the construction of race in India at that time, the distinction between black and brown was not what it is today. Mm-hmm. And in that place, just like how Catholicism looks differently, it's practiced differently wherever you are. Right. In Cuba, it's going to look different than, you know, in, in Ireland or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with race. And so, you know, we were definitely part of definitions of blackness. Mm-hmm. And including all the epitaphs, you know, that come with it, all the racial slurs, all that stuff. And right. So, you know, um, even while those Bollywood movies where where people were imitating American cinema mm-hmm. and American culture with the blackface yeah. is very meta because so they were they were African Americans performing in blackface because mm-hmm. the menstrual circuits, those those chitlin circuits that they had, you know, that's what they were forced to do. And then, you know, there's there's conversations around is there artistry to it or is it all just oppression? You know, what's the agency of the artist in there? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Or the African-American artists who were, you know, minstrels in that, um, in the blackface sense. And so, so if that's what Indians were doing, it's not only Indians imitating like white people being racist. It's also Indians being black mm-hmm. in blackface. Yeah. And, um, so that's like deep, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing now. Like when I, 
all that stuff around gorillas, like, first of all, shout out to gorillas because, like, yeah. they are so beautiful and powerful and dope. Yeah, they are they're so intelligent. Like, they're so cute. I mean, God. What'd you say? Oh. I thought his ears perked up because we were talking about gorillas. He's like, finally oh. something interesting in the conversation. He's like, oh. gorillas. That's what they do. That's so adorable. But when I, one of the articles that um, I wrote for my dissertation project was based on this archival research of, okay, when yoga started to come into the American popular imagination through like songs, like popular music in like the 40s, 50s, 60s, was it like mad racist or was it just like like oh, mm. we're all good and it was mad it racist was it was yeah mad it racist. was mm-hmm. so like 40s 50s 60s you know the images of yoga that filtered in to american popular culture through popular music were were exactly like racist tropes that mm-hmm. were anti-black tropes yeah oh you know yeah, I mean? yeah yeah so mm-hmm. there was like there was gorillas Mm-hmm. There was a yogi, and he was represented by a gorilla who was like dangerous and misogyn, you know, lusting after a white woman type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen those images around. I'm pretty sure I have. I don't and- know, yo. I don't know. I feel like a lot of like, I feel like a lot of white, you know, yoga culture tries to act like, tries to brand itself. Hmm. Yeah, and they try to act like they're so progressive and all that, not Post-racial. knowing like, mm-hmm, not knowing that they there there's an actual racist history behind it. I I didn't even know that really. And when I was in India recently, living with him, and I was doing research on you know the yoga community um, and tourist centers there in Kerala, when I would talk to yoga teachers, Indian yoga teachers, you know, a lot of what they would say is like initially they would be like look, we don't buy into race the same way you guys do in the States. Like, we don't believe in that. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like that. But what they're right. really talking about is, like, we're not mad at white people. Mm-hmm. You know what okay. I mean? Like, yeah. But then, all you got to do is press a little further with more, like, explicit questions. And it's like, who do these people think they are? Like, mm-hmm. who is Yoga Alliance to tell me, an Indian yoga teacher studying here for generations that I have to do a 200-hour training to now be globally certified, you know, to be certified. That is wow. Of course, that's what's happening. Like, a lot of people going to India, they're just dropping in to do their teacher training and coming back out, and that way the whole rest of their lives, their yoga teacher lives, they can be like, well, I studied in in India, and so Mm -hmm. I'm this authentic, whatever authentic means. That is so gross. Oh, my gosh. Right. So then as soon as you start to bring up race in these kinds of ways, or like I have a study on yoga copyrights and how, you know, people are all worried about um, Bikram, you know, very complex figure. I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. defending Bikram in his personal life and his personal decisions. Right. But, you know, he took out a lot of intellectual property in his name and his Mm -hmm. business. And people, you know, didn't like that, you know, because it was like, who is he to be participating in capitalism, trying to be an owner? Right. You know, and they'd be like, Bikram's trying to own yoga. He's trying to own yoga. And it's like, actually, if you do some research into the history of yoga U.S. copyrights, there's plenty of white people who've been um, gathering a lot of exclusive property rights in yoga over time. Right. Anyway, I guess I'll say, I share some of this 
because like, um, I guess just to make things like, also just to relate as an American, as an mm -hmm. Indian American, you know, going back and being made to feel kind of like a performing monkey. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, India, or even just here, like with aunties or at a dinner party growing up in San Diego, it'd be like, do a dance, you know, or and it just happened. Yeah, to yeah, exactly. Oh my God, they would always ask you, what is it with them and asking like the children to dance? That is so weird. Well, I think it probably harkens back to something that's less problematic, where it's like everyone's doing it, but right yeah. now where it's like more like there's song and movement that's part of life. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at, I don't know, like idyllic images of a Punjabi farm or something, you know, yes. farm life. And that's true of indigenous, you know, agricultural life all over the world. You know, song, mm -hmm. creative arts, craft, you know, all that stuff is just part of life. Mm -hmm. But now there's this like voyeuristic feeling about it and this like performative aspect that's really unnatural. You know? It is. Yeah, and it feels, like, awkward, and I don't know. It's really othering. It's really othering, because it's like, why don't you just, like, ask me a question about myself, like... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ask me a question about, like, maybe my education or anything like that, but no, you just want to see me dance. Okay. Like, you don't want to get to know me. You want to just know yeah. how can I make you feel. Right, right, exactly. I wonder, too, as someone who, I think the next step where I want to go in this conversation and in the podcast in general is to open up space. Mm -hmm. So to open up space to talk about anti-Black racism in the basic community also as being a form of self-hate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because of our own spectral Blackness. And, you know, I don't identify as Black for political reasons, but I do, um, I definitely shape i'm shaped by black feminist thought and mm -hmm. um i also know that i am on a spectrum of blackness just even in terms of the racial construction of it and okay, yeah. i'm just i'm on the spectrum you know what i mean and it's somewhere mm -hmm. on my spectrum um because i'm from a people who have been called black who have been constructed as black at different times and in different places Right. And that does have its effect on that self-hate that causes our people to be specifically anti-Black. Mm-hmm. You know? Because yeah. I guess they're just trying so hard to fit in and, like, avoid getting picked on. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder, too, about the othering of Indians. So, so usually, like, when I first started to understand more about racism... I thought that we can't be racist to one another. White people can mm -hmm. be racist because they have white supremacy to rest on. Yeah. They have power to wield. Mm -hmm. So they ha they can be racist, but that what we are to each other is prejudiced or hateful. You yeah, know? exactly. But it's not exactly racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, of course. Like, that's something I've had to learn as well because, I mean, I thought that it was possible to be racist to white people, but it simply isn't. I mean... If you were to say something like, oh, white people can't dance, then that's not going to negatively affect them in any type of way, like, because it won't stop them from getting a job. It won't stop them from not getting shot by the police. It won't, like, 
you know, it nothing that you say nothing that you say about white people will harm them like in the long run, really. Right. They will not displace their whiteness. Mm-hmm. You can't take that's yeah. So, but I know that anti-black racism is a term that is now like highly circulating, like, you know, anti-black mm-hmm. racism in these different communities. Right. Um, and so I just wanted to acknowledge that I do think that the term may be a little imprecise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder too about your experience with like seeing how you are both, you know, your experience with the othering of Indians within Black communities or African diasporic communities, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, that's part of what, what inspired me to start the conversation was like talking to other Indi- um, Black yoga teachers. Some, uh, right, yeah. You know, where it's like, I'm somebody who grew up... Um, in primarily uh, black, specifically African American, like social, cultural, mm-hmm. relational circles. You know what I mean? Okay, was, yeah. Um, so, and that still continues to be the case. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, my dearest and nearest. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful for my loved ones. Right. Um, but so when I when I bond with other yoga teachers, they tend to be black, you know, black or Indian. And mm-hmm. we talk about these things where it's like, yeah, there's definitely a crop, you know, there's like different types of othering of Indianness within the black community as well. Like people who wear the clothes but don't acknowledge the culture or people right. who... Um, like yoga is not even from India you know it's all African it's kinetic it's just from it's from Egypt or whatever yeah like it's not even from India at all and it's just like Mm -hmm. that seems so extreme it seems very white actually to it is yeah trying to erase the origin story of yoga as having anything to do with India it's like can we all get a can we all have a part of (laughs) what made yoga like yes even if you see in a hieroglyphics it's cool like you could still say and very importantly, India was also a birthplace. It doesn't have to be this primacy shit, like, but it was here. Yeah, first it's only it. one country where it came from. Like, no, that's not the case at all. Okay, it wasn't even countries at the time. And it's like, higher. So I wonder what you. Um... I mean, shout so, out to Kemetic Yoga for getting like a lot of black people into yoga. You know what I mean? But right, I, just, yeah. I don't think it should be built on this like erasure of, of mm-hmm. brown folks and. Because I feel like there's two main original peoples of the earth. Right. And the Africans, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the that we have now to call ourselves. But that's, I wonder what you think about this part of what I'm talking about. So, like, I mean, yeah, I, in terms of, like, like that aspect, I'm not too sure if I really, like, dealt with that before. I mean, I'm trying to think because, I mean, well, I do know, like, some like black people online or something would make like jokes about like going into the deli and like you know like seeing a poo from the simpsons over there like they literally that could not be his name but like they would literally refer to him as a poo and i'm just like okay like um 
it's not accurate, but thank you for that. And um, it's just, I don't know if I've really like heard that much negativity. It's probably just me, but I'm not sure if I really heard that much negativity towards. Um, actually, no, no, never mind, never mind. That's that's something. That's a lie. I remember something. So, um, literally, um, one time there was like this. Um, you know, like what a hotep is. Like, it's like, it was one of those online, and he was just going on a weird rant, talking about, like, how, um, he was just saying very anti-Semitic shit, and everybody was just trying to call him out on that, and then one, and then there was this Indian guy calling him out, saying, like, yo, why are you acting so crazy? Like, chill out. And then he basically said, like, get the, yeah, like, get the hell out of here, white boy, and he's just like, what, I'm not white, and then he's just, and then he, like, sent them a Wikipedia page, um, saying that how like all like um i, I oh, forget Aryan, the term Aryan? yeah yeah Aryan, Aryan. Mm-hmm, exactly um yeah just something about that how saying that like oh um, south asians are technically considered white and then that just made me feel some type of way i'm like no i would be damned if i'm half white but um it's just well also all you got to do is look yeah <laughs> You just got to use your basic five senses. Right, exactly. Basic five senses. I mean, it's just, it's so, so that's something that I just thought was kind of funny, but also just a bit, like, a bit disturbing that people really think like this. Like, you know, but, um, yeah, other than that, I'm not sure if I've really heard, like, that much backlash about the Indian community coming from the black community. It's probably just me. Like, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. Like you mentioned before with, um, you know, people, you know, um, people claiming that like yoga's from like Egypt or Africa or something like that. Well, and you've also seen like some, um, like African weddings who, I mean, they all look, the brides look gorgeous, but like you also see some of them wearing Indian attire, which to me is fine. I don't give a fuck. They look gorgeous, but I don't know. I just also see like some Indians commenting on that saying like, why are they like appropriating my culture? And it's just, I don't know how to feel about that really. Like, like I don't feel offended looking at that, but it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't care, but, uh, well, how would you feel if it was white folks doing it? Uh, I would not feel good. I would not feel okay, good at all. Okay. Yeah. I guess what would be the difference then? Is there is there an assumption that maybe the like those black uh, wedding photos in Indian wedding style attire? Is there an assumption that there's like any love for Indians or South Asians or any appreciation for the culture besides? See, because that's to me that's part of appropriation. That's the most painful. That's and mm-hmm. racist. Right. It's like when people take apart like a mm-hmm. little piece of it and then they're like yeah this is my like right now she's at the gym and i saw yeah. you know, the white girls that i was close to lifting weights is all trap in their ears trap oh trap. you know Beautiful. what i mean i'm like oh okay you're really getting your workout oh you <laughs> i was like I'm i was weak. like i am weak i was like oh okay you rough rugged and raw right <laughs> But, um, mind you, we're in the suburbs, like, everyone's, you know, so, <laughs> but, like, that's where, where hip-hop has gotten to, whereas, like, they said, um, hip-hop scholars, like, Trisha Rose, mm-hmm. talk about how, initially, in hip-hop, you weren't listening to it unless you had some appreciation for Black people and right. brown folks, because you had to be, like, 
in the South Bronx with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to like be hanging out to get to know it. Yeah. Whereas like that's not the case. So I wonder if there's like this assumption because one of the things I, I do feel is that, you know, there's not there's not necessarily like love for South Asia or Indians from African diasporas. Like we've definitely been pitted against each other by right. you know, divide and conquer is some real shit and it's true and it works and it's mm-hmm. powerful strategy and um yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't assume that when people are wearing those clothes that they like, that there's any like love for the rest right. of the people. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, I get that. But um, I think it's also, I don't know, like when you mentioned like what was the reason behind it, I'm thinking like it might be also availability because I remember like um, a girl from Ethiopia telling me that like she's from this region called um, Harar, which is like um, kind of like a Muslim area I believe in Ethiopia and they actually wear like clothes that are very similar to like um Indian clothes so it literally looks like a shirt in shalar and um I'm just like wow like that's really cool like I didn't know that like, they were so similar and she was just like yeah like a lot of our clothes are actually like imported from from India and, like made from India so I just thought like I don't know if it's like mainly a, a trade thing or like a cross-cultural thing um like between India and Africa, like I'm not too sure, but I just thought I thought that was really interesting and like, you know, like you mentioned about like how Africans and Indians were like pitted against each other. I mean, I definitely can see that because I mean there's this movie called Mississippi Masala, which is of course my movie. I love that I love that movie so much. But I believe like the girl, um I forget which country she claims she was from, like Kenya or something. Like there is a lot of discrimination from like um, the black Kenyans and like the um, Indian Kenyans as well like there's a lot of discrimination like going on between them so I mean yeah I'm, like it of course exists it's just not something that I guess we really talk about that often and um, it's something that definitely needs to be addressed for sure because mm-hmm. I mean no discrimination no prejudice in discrimination in any form is okay right right mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, there was this moment when I was in high school and I had first started, like, dating type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, two or three guys took me to see that movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, like, rented the movie. Yeah. So right. be like, yeah. I'd be like, okay, yeah. No. <laughs> and then this one fellow, he took me to see Dances with Wolves because he didn't know what type of Indian I was. So he was oh like... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I remember no. seeing it. <laughs> yes! Like, like, dead ass when I... There's this part in the movie where Kevin, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, all I'm thinking is Kevin Hart, but you know it's not Kevin, Kevin Hart. Yeah. No. <laughs> that would be, that would be yeah. dope. Kevin yeah, Hart, right. should we do that movie? But um, there's this part where like I think the buffalo are talking, where like the pe- the native, the indigenous people are talking, and he like turns to me like, "What are they saying?" Like, oh gosh. And that at that point I was like. What is happening? What am I doing with this guy right now? Like, you've been to my house, man. You see shit like this on the wall. Like, he's already like. You still want to assume? I don't. That's so dumb. That's legit dumb. Yeah, but we were all called Indian. You know, that's not our name for ourselves. And it is this kind of like all encompassing racial category because it's like Mm -hmm. either you're black, you're either you're African or you're Indian, and Mm -hmm. you can be called indigenous all these different names for indigenous or ind right and then you got like like people like quote-unquote like chinese folks who you know have 
that aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. phenotype or whatever. And then you got white people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress. I think, I think like mutual like appreciation and love is so is so beautiful, mm-hmm. and I think it's possible. Um, you know, and like we were t- talking about Ethiopia, Eritrea. You know, you could tell where the continents fit. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like that part of India is like right there, right at yeah. right at Eastern Africa. Mm-hmm. And we do, you know, a lot of those women do look very Indian to me. And I remember mm-hmm. living in Oakland, California. And depending on how I had my hair, like if I had it braided or something, people might mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, are you a Eritrean?" You know, it just mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and our food is so similar. You know how we eat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with our hands and all that, like mm-hmm. the tastes, how good yes. the food is. Yes, <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> like, Me too. I'm officially hungry. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think one of the things I was going to ask you, and this is very, you know, personal. Like, you know how um, there's these like these iterations of Black is Beautiful as a movement, and it'll be like, you know, the Black woman is God. You know. Mm-hmm. And as someone with an Indian mother, do you feel like, you know, like that, that that also applies to you? That your mother is as strong, as beautiful, as bold, as godly, as mm-hmm. black women? I mean, yeah, of course. I admire her every day like she's an educated woman she like came to this country like scared as hell and built herself up I think that's something I can I really admire about her and in terms of like raising me I think like she definitely like any non-black person would have with raising a black child I think that she definitely had her struggles because I remember her telling me she got my hair matted like three times and would have to like shave off my entire head so I was basically yeah I was basically bald for like until the age of I believe five or six or something Mm -hmm. like that so that's something I kind of resented her for doing but she definitely tried her best to try to like raise me because I remember she would have like like after she got my hair matted for the third damn time she had like people like her um like her co-workers who were black to like come in and like teach her (coughs) excuse me and uh they would literally look at my hair and be like what did you do to this poor kid like what have you been doing (coughs) oh my god um but yeah and then like there were times where like i would grow up and like i would always feel insecure about like um like my hair or my nose or like any of my features or my skin color and she would always just like you know tell me that like listen you're beautiful like you know you don't have anything to be insecure about like you know people are people would she would literally say like this all the time she was like people would pay to have like your type of hair literally I would see like these white women at my work that they would literally pay so much money to get like perms and shit like that so like she definitely tried her best um and um and you know i have a godmother who's ironically my dad's ex-wife it's funny but uh like so she's my godmother and i definitely feel to a certain extent i'm a bit closer with her than i am with my mom because i mean i don't know she's just there's i just have a different connection with her than i do with my mom and uh, i don't even know how to fully describe it 
because I mean, yeah, she is uh, black as well. And she taught me a lot about like, once I started to get more into like social justice issues and started like being more comfortable with like both my identities, she started telling me like, you know, she was part of Black Panthers at one point, how she uh, marched with, um, like let them like uh, walk with Martin Luther King, how she like used to go to like um, conferences with Malcolm X. Like I just was always so fascinated by her and, like even at that point my mom started to get a little bit like a little bit jealous she was just like okay you're going over to her house a little bit too often but uh okay i see you so uh it's just yeah i don't know i mean of course like she's my mother i will always love and respect her but i feel like it's weird like i have a i do have a different connection with like um like my black elders and black women in general um and yeah i think like now that you mention it, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, it's like it's it's I um I believe you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I believe you. And like it also speaks to me of like, for example, like right now I'm raising, you know, an African American and Indian child and mm-hmm. an indigenous child. And you know, I grew up around forms of blackness so I had that exposure, you know? And then on top of that, you have like data. There's just like mad content online and like we can access it. But it's not that any of his African-American families in our lives and that's their choice. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if it wasn't for how I grew up and how I chose to raise myself and be around in the world, there's a lot that I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. you know and so when you talk about her experience with you it also sounds terribly isolated Mm -hmm. and it's like well where were where were the black elders in that moment you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then for those years like Mm -hmm. and i think you know what i think like life mashallah life is long Mm -hmm. and you know you you will find finding mentors is key you know Mm -hmm. and yeah like that's a beautiful thing it is a beautiful thing yeah and i think especially when people have immigrated so far away from everything they knew and like from opportunities for those kinds of connections themselves like when i go back to india and i visit my family that they're still in their same houses for like decades and decades Mm -hmm. there's all these other people around you know that's part of the fabric of their lives right and you know, when, when my parents immigrated here, my mother lost, you know, any of the women in her life, all her five sisters and her mother, she only saw a few more times, you know, it's like, you lose all this mothering. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, because of my mom's health, I have also experienced like a loss of being mothered through, as Mm -hmm. I enter into my own motherhood, things like that. But so I guess I could just, you know, I could see how, of course, it would raise different feelings, I'm sure, for her. And then I'm I'm also thinking about for your mother, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, where she probably still needs mentors, like, she needs, like, you know, her mom, too, type of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm also thinking about working as a, a professor, an adjunct professor, like, in Manhattan. I worked at City College in Harlem and oh, cool. um, Pace University in... Um, Lower Manhattan, right, right at the Brooklyn Bridge, right on the other side. Yeah, yeah, I've been that. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, you know, I taught this class called Hip Hop Politics, and I would always 
have people audition and then at the end they would do a performance as part of their final not just a paper oh, cool cool yeah and there was a few caribbean um black women who would talk about coming over to this country and then all of a sudden just being kind of like absorbed into being african-american mm-hmm. and coding as that in order to just kind of get by and seem less different you know okay right yeah and so having like a way that they spoke at home and then having a way they spoke on the street or at school and then having mm-hmm. another, you know, right, right. Holds. and there's something about blackness, I think that is so beautiful and that like the very color itself is, mm-hmm. you know, is made up of all colors. It absorbs it, you know? It is, yeah. But then the way that blackness is constructed in this country in particular, there can be... Um, like the central future, center future, like this, like pull that um, the thing is, you ju- you just don't want to lose the richness of like cultural, her- different cultural diversity aspects. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you ever sh- like do you have? Because you know you're at this certain stage of life, so like, I mean, I, I just think it's so beautiful that you have both black and Indian women in your life. You mm-hmm. know, right. And I would like to, you know, anytime you would ever want to, like, I can be another Indian woman in your life. You know what I mean? I love that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I would, de- yeah, I would definitely love that. Well, I would be honored. No. Um, okay, well, um, I guess like, cause we, it's just like over an hour now, a bit over an hour that we're talking and I really thank you for your generosity of trust and time. I know we're not talking about like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that. Like wow. 16. Mm-hmm. I know we're not talking about easy stuff to talk about and like shit doesn't get talked about this way. It doesn't, no. And you know, anytime new conversations, anytime one wants to push conversations forward, it's definitely vulnerable, you know, cause mm-hmm. people can take your shit and twist it and all that stuff. Oh yeah, of course. And some but, people just don't feel comfortable like like that. But I don't care. I'm an open book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering, like, do you still do you still practice yoga? I saw you have some like dance in your life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So lately, I've been trying to like get back more into it because like a definitely like school has interfered with like. Um, like me dancing like I do but um, nothing like for I did it for like since the age of seven basically and I've been I want to get back into it especially like senior year like when I have less to do so I just you know might as well but yeah that's always been something that I've definitely been interested in a lot and um yeah I just I love it I love it so much it definitely gave me like better posture because my posture is shit so that's definitely something that <laughs> that helped me a lot and um yeah dancing is just one of my greatest hobbies Mm -hmm. that's so dope oh thanks so your whole life you had that movement practice and breath practice Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah from this like indian cultural vein exactly yeah okay it's funny because yeah, it's funny because, like, the teacher's, like, a long-term friend from, like, my mom because, like, they were one of the few Indians in that neighborhood. And so, like, basically, like, after that, I was kind of brought in under, like, her wing, I guess. And, yeah, started learning since then. That's lovely. Oh, thanks. 
Okay, well, we can we can talk again. Oh, of course. I would love to. I'm so happy that I gained a sister today. I would love that. <laughs> cool. I was like, I don't feel like calling her little sis, Choti oh. but I just don't know. Like, I don't no, want to see girl, too. I love that. I love that so much. That was so sweet. Like, I love it when people, like, you know, go the extra mile and try to be closer with me. I was like, oh, okay, that's really cute. Like, <laughs> Cool. Okay, well, I hope you feel, you know, I hope you feel that too, that kind of sense of like love and responsibility and maybe some like challenging questions or yes. um, I hope you feel, do you feel listened to? I definitely do. I feel listened to and I feel like I definitely was able to think about some things that I really have not thought about. Like it definitely, like I, yeah, it, you just really pushed me to like really like delve deep into myself and I really like that like I really appreciated that <laughs> awesome that was the goal here <laughs> right right <laughs> okay well I also feel listened to and um you know and that's really precious right? mm-hmm, of course it, you know and I hope whenever I shared about my own perspective from either what I learned or what I experienced that it didn't in any way feel like I was trying to like change your story for you or Mm -hmm. um, make you try to make you see things in a different light. It's just more like, here's some context to with it, what you will, you know? No, no, absolutely. No, it's definitely important to like for everyone to provide their perspective on certain issues because I mean, that, that's what the world is all about like i love hearing about people's other uh, other people's opinions besides white people because i've been hearing too much about that but people like you i definitely like it it was very interesting today was very interesting i'm so happy that we're doing this too when all the news is full of like trump being in india and it makes me want to like scream yo i know like none of those people represent the people Mm-hmm. you know right, exactly. that's my that's my opinion that's my word that's how i see it and it's like this conversation this is this this is the state visit that's to me the important visit of this, like this specific yep. conversation me and you that's <laughs> that's the thing uh-huh. that's redemptive about today <laughs> and that shit is like so painful it's so it's, scary it's really painful to see it's very painful to see and it's just i i don't know how to feel about it i mean obviously it's depressing to like watch the two of them just like i don't know bond over like anti-muslim hate and it's just i don't know i don't even know what to think at this point <laughs> you know like That's that that could be for our next conversation. But, you know, I just want to say, like, in general, this podcast and I in general am um, pro black, pro Muslim, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. pro brown, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, like Ravi's middle name is Ali. And, you know, he has Mm -hmm. a Hindu name and a Muslim name. And it's like, yeah, in my family. I love that. It's like, it's just part of how I was raised on my father's yeah. side. It's like they have very, like, integrated Muslim practices. And there was always a sense of love for the culture that mm-hmm. Muslims bring and make, mm-hmm. you know, make India so, so much of what it is. And like, of course, it's very disturbing, all these binaries. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Oh, yeah. All, all these binaries. Well... Not to end on a Saturday note, but 
Um, let's see. Do you want to take a couple deep breaths with me before we, um, like, oh, we absolutely. Our posture? Sure, of course, okay. of course. Maybe, mm-hmm. like, what you think, like, five, ten? Sure, of course. Okay. Like, deep, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I love this. All right. That was very relaxing. <laughs> thank you so much, Bree. Of course. Thank you so much. Like, this was so enlightening. I loved every minute of it, and I hope that we can talk again soon. Me too. Me too. I'll mm-hmm. reach out again, okay? Of course. Of course. Okay. All right. You have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. Critical, yo, critical, yo, critical yoga studies. Can you say critical yoga studies? Critical yoga, critical yoga studies. Critical yoga studies. Critical yoga studies. What's that about? You tell me. No, you.